are was <laughs> fuck you uh you good <laughs> i fucked it up i fucked it up let me try that again wait what did you fuck <laughs> up <laughs> i couldn't remember your nickname it's been the same thing for over a year now i know that but i'm a dumbass <laughs> all right in, in three two one Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our wizard of wait what, Chinoda. Behemoth in Monster Hunter World is a fucking pain in the ass. Good to know. And our chivalry of Shota's Shotaro. Just finished with my purge cycle. Oh god, you want to actually explain that so people don't think you're actually a crazy person? He's not wow. white. Did you just call people with eating disorders crazy people? They oh do my have god. disorders. Oh my god. They're like pedophilic <laughs> disorders. Um, you dig your hole there. <laughs> nah, the man is allergic to nuts and he ate nuts last night. That's it. Just had to Allegedly. It you don't know the truth. I I don't know the truth and I kind of want to keep it that way. Oh. Especially when it involves vomiting. <laughs> So anyway, uh, the topic we're going to discuss tonight is kind of an interesting one based on an article that we found about the oversaturation in the anime industry. But before we get to that, okay, well, Chinoda, let's go ahead and do the thing that you want to talk about first before I get to my rant. All right. I don't want to get into this too much. I just want to point out and laugh. Uh, One of the people involved in, uh, I believe he's one of the animators. Yeah. One of the animators yeah. for uh, My Little Pony got sent to prison on uh, child pornography. And I just want to say, like... Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, what what, what Alex said. Like, we, <laughs> we've known about this whole community and all y'all's problems for a while. Just saying. You Kill don't yourself. know who's in those fursuits, man. It could be oh children. God. God, I'm going to fucking throw up. <laughs> nah, like... It's sick, and it's kind of indirectly relates into what I want to rant about next, but... Wow. I mean, and I said indirectly okay. relates. Yeah. But but I, I, one last thing, though, about this. Like, the guy apparently is only getting sentenced to 28 months. And this this took place in Canada, by the way, for anyone who's actually curious. So I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of the Canadian justice system. It's fucked is what it is. (laughs) It's apparently because 28 months in prison for possessing more than 60,000 images worth of child pornography seems a little light. Just a bit light. But maybe that's just me. Although, in those 28 months, he'll probably get the shit kicked out of him more than once. So, that's a good thing. I hope he gets executed. I'll I'll be straight up uh, about it. He could get shanked while he's in prison. Who knows? But... That is funny in a way because he worked on My Little Pony. But playing off of that, I also it's time for me to rant, boys and girls. So sit back and relax because you're about to get an earful. So uh, yesterday, of course, by the time this goes out, it'll be about a week old. Um, 
there was an article released by Sankaku Complex, and I'll I'll link this below for anyone who actually wants to go read it. Um, that came out about Pixiv quote banning the loli tag because of police warnings. So I'm gonna read the first little part of this article here. Um, so it says that Pixiv have reportedly forced a lolicon artist to make his work private on the basis of accusations that they, quote, contain sexual acts involving children, offering by way of explanation only the claim that, quote, recently internet monitoring has been strengthened. And according to this artist, roughly 70 of his works were made private after receiving the following message from Pixiv. And of course, it's got screenshots of the, the message that was sent to this artist from Pixiv. It's in Japanese, but it's been translated. And the, the translation is is roughly this. This is a message regarding a contributed work from Pixiv's executive office. We received a report from a third-party organization that your submitted work contains sexual acts involving children. The corresponding works were made private. Monitoring of the internet has become stronger recently, and the Internet Hotline Center, and I'll come back to that in a second, operating under the auspices of the National Police Agency has been requesting measures for the prevention of distribution of certain content. We ask for your understanding. That is all. Thank you. Okay, so the fact that Japan needs an internet hotline center is incredibly disturbing to me. Um, and I actually, well, the article mentions this too, um, the Internet Hotline Center is an NPO or nonprofit organization which, and the article says, apparently acts on reports from public content about harmful information found online. Okay, so my first point of contention with this is, what? who determines what is harmful? Like, seriously, like, is it me? Is it is it you, show? Is it is it you, Chinoda? Who determines what's harmful and not? I mean, I'd love to have a god complex like that, but... <laughs> I know. It takes an enormous amount of narcissism to think that you can police what other people deem to be, you know, acceptable. Like, seriously, and I know there, there's a lot of people who would debate this, and if you want to actually debate with me about the fucking uh, ethics or morality of Loli and Shota artwork, fine. And, of course, it mentions nothing about Shota artwork in this, because I guess sexualizing young boys is fine. You just can't sexualize young girls. Um, but if, if you want to sit here and have a discussion with me about the ethics and morality of that, that's fine. That's a completely different argument. But in order for, like, a crime to be committed, which they seem to be insinuating that one has here, there has to be, like, someone, there has to be an injured party. And I, I ask everyone out there, who is the injured party when someone makes a drawing of a young child? Now, if you if it's a drawing of an actual child, like a real person in the real world, then maybe you have a case. But if it's an, a completely original character that sprang whole from the artist's mind, who's been injured in that? Like seriously, I I I am so sick and tired of this shit. And of course, uh, there's in this article there's uh, a Twitter user who kind of responds to this. It says uh, one Twitter user however believes this has been a case of someone misusing the internet hotline center's report form pointing out that the form explicitly states it's for reporting sexual acts quote involving actual persons under the age of 18. I have news for all of you out there no matter what you think of the ethics and morality of Lully or Shota artwork whether sexual or not they are not real people they are fucking drawings Seriously I know you might want your, I know you might want your waifus or husbandos to be real but they're fucking not 
I just and like I don't both fucking... sides uh, need to recognize that like these are literally just drawings. I'm sorry, no matter what, it's drawings, and all you're hurting at the end of the day is artists. Like I, I know, and it's like people talk, people throw the word fascist and and Nazi around all the time. You want to see what real fascism looks like? It's this. It's people telling you what you can and can't think about stuff. And it's like the, the, the article itself, because obviously the person who wrote this article seems to think the, the same way I do. Like this is kind of bullshit because based on what they've said here, what the Internet Hotline Center has said about the content that was already privated or removed, um, it, it it's so vague because it says it, depictions of people who are underage. OK, so what does that mean? Does that mean that any character wearing a school uniform and art is considered underage? Because they technically are if they are going to high school. They are, by definition, underage. Does that mean you can't actually make any art with any more of, of, a, of a character wearing a high school uniform? Who knows? I just I am so sick and tired of this shit. And of course, they're they're leaving stuff like that's R eighteen G, which on Pixiv means Goro, which is like ex- like incredibly violent artwork that can be sexual as well. And it's just like there, there's no there's no consistency with what people are saying should and shouldn't be allowed on the site. Like I get it if someone if someone is is uploading artwork of actual children, like their artistic interpretations of actual children and sexual acts i under we can have that conversation of whether that should be allowed or not but if they're completely original characters or they're characters like like fan art from a show that has fictional characters in it like and a good example of this is the fate series there is a lot of art on the uh, uh, fan art from the fate series on pixiv and there are a lot of lowly characters in the fate series so i guess all that art is just going to go away so i feel really bad for you if you're a fate fan and you're looking for fan art because that's most of what Pixiv's front page is. It's this this whole thing makes absolutely no sense. I it's just I am so sick and tired of this shit because it's so stupid. It's just drawings, people. Get the fuck over yourselves. Anyway, that's my, that's my rant over. That was about what eight minutes. <laughs> uh, something like that uh, wasn't too long, but yeah. oh god, and and. I love Pixiv. I know that I, I, I go on Pixiv relatively frequently, at least a couple of times a week to look for fan art. I know, show you do it kind of frequently yourself a couple of times a week, maybe. I think most of us here on the podcast have used Pixiv to some degree at, you know, weekly or monthly or whatever. And it, it's a good site. I mean, you can find a lot of really good fan art on Pixiv. Um, and and it's worth pointing out that one of the best anime that came out this year is based on a manga that started as a webcomic on Pixiv, and that's Wotakoi. Wait, really? Wotakoi started there? Well, yes, Wotakoi started on Pixiv as a webcomic, and then someone from a publishing company picked it up and said, hey, would you mind come making this manga for us so we can publish it? it I mean, it's a great way to find good artists like that. And and it's a shame because some, a lot of these artists, they, they get started doing commissions for people. And some people, yes, commission Loli and Shota artwork. I, but it's still a great tool for it, – it's almost become like – like YouTube has become sort of this way to find um, – like video, good video content creators. Well, Pixiv has kind of become a really good source for finding um, like artistic content creators, and it's just it, it'd be a shame for it to be legislated out of relevance like this, especially by a third party. 
anyway, I we got to stop talking about this because I could do like five hours on why this is such a terrible idea. But Jesus Christ, I'm so, so sick and tired of bullshit like this. Yeah. I noticed you were very quiet through all this show. I'm just, it's a tired argument. So. It is, and we did we did an episode of the podcast about this a few months ago, where we talked about sort of the ethics of like Loli and Shota anime, and I mean I highly recommend you guys go check that out because we did talk about some of the ethical issues involved in Loli and Shota artwork. But as far as legality goes, they're just drawings, guys. No one's been hurt. There is no injured party. No crime has been committed, and it's like. And people will use the argument that, oh, I mean, people can use this sexualized lowly and show to artwork to it, it creates pedophiles like, no, it doesn't like pencils don't cause misspelled words. Cars don't cause accidents. Guns don't kill people. And lolicon artwork does not create pedophiles. Anyway, fucking moving on. I'm so, <laughs> I'm sorry. Rant over. It's fine. Moving on to the next part. Main topic. Moving on to the actual topic we're going to talk about tonight. Yes. So. This is this uh, discussion that we're going to have tonight was actually brought about by another article. Uh, this one comes from Japan Today, and actually this was – it's about a month old at this point, but it got us talking, and we thought it would make a good uh, topic for the podcast. So the title of this this particular article is, No One Would Be Worse Off If Half the Anime Being Made Wasn't Being Produced. And that was said by uh, anime director Seiji Mi... Seiji Mizushima. Um, he's been responsible for the original t- 2003 Full Metal Alchemist. He's been responsible for a couple different Gundam series. So, I mean, take it for what it is. He's is. He's been around for a while, but he makes the argument that I think some of us in the anime industry have, or in the, in the anime fandom have been uh, making for a while is that if you look at it today, there's a lot of anime being produced every single season. Now, I want to ask the two of you that are here with me, do you actually think that per season, now, that there are too many different series premiering every season? I, for one, most definitely think there is way too many, and it's kind of sad because there are a lot of gems that slip by just because there's a lot more brand name uh, animes that pop up. What about you, show? I mean, from a consumer standpoint, well, it's it's a complicated thing because like, oh yeah, of course. If it's just if it's just more, just that like, if everything else is a vacuum and we're getting more anime, then of course that's a good thing. But like, if we had less anime. Would it be better quality? Maybe I would want that. Maybe not. Would like if we had less anime, would there be less niche topics? But I wouldn't want that. I want more niche topics. So I don't know if I want if I'm happy with a large catalog or not. I I definitely agree that it's a multi-factored issue, um, and we'll we'll definitely get into a couple of those. But I went did uh some well some people might say quick math, but uh, quick other maths. people might say quick yes quick maths um so i went and told it up uh a bunch of averages for the amount of a brand new anime premiering each season and i did this in five-year blocks um and except for the last one so um and i went all the way back through to 1985 um 
So from 2010 to the current year, 2018, which I know is more than five, it's actually eight years, so this is a little skewed, but it still it still fits the trend. So from 2010 to 2018, there was an average of 41 new anime premiering every single season. From 2005 to 2009, that number goes down to 35 anime per season. Uh, from 2000 to 2004, 27. From 1995 to 1999, 16. From 1990 to 1994, 11. And then from 1985 to 1989, it was 9. And that this these averages uh, do not include OVAs, ONAs, movies, or specials. So that just that is just anime that premiered on TV in some way or another. It premiered on TV. Um, so I, I think that a lot of people can see very obviously that there's definitely an upward t- trend since at least 1985. And the only reason I stopped at 1985 is that seems to be, uh, at least on Mal, the last or, well, about the last year that there's really accurate statistics for anime um, in terms of like when exactly they premiered and how many episodes they had and how, you know, the premiere date and the you know, final episode date, stuff like that. Um I could have probably gone further, but I, I, I thought that this very very easily showed the trend. Um, so looking back at that, from 1985 to 1989, there were there was an average, and that's an average of nine new anime premiering every season. I think for a lot of us here on the podcast, myself included, that's about the number of anime we pick up each season. Isn't, what, isn't that, about, would that be about accurate for both of you? That's like the upper limit. Well, yeah. at a point in time, I would do like 15. Like now I'm doing like six. So nine. Yeah. Is yeah. The, Over the, the medium, years, I, I found I've uh, started watching less per season, but it is still a rather large amount in comparison to what we used to do all those years ago. That's true. I mean, I think some of that is, you know, you get older, you have more responsibilities. You don't have necessarily time to sit and, and blaze through you know, 15, 20 different anime series throughout an entire season. Um, <laughs> Good times. That's, I know, right? Um, but that 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 is roughly the amount of anime I tend to pick up per season. I don't necessarily go watch all of that this season. Some of those get drops. But I typically will pick, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 anime each season. And I'll give them a try at least through the first four or five episodes. But that's the that's the average amount of anime that came out per season from 1985 to 1989. I mean, and you can ask, like, you know, what came out those seasons. I mean, probably not a lot that people remember today. Probably the... Probably the the two biggest things that people remember from that stretch of time that are still kind of around are Dragon Ball and Fist of the North Star. And then, other than that, it's just uh, what are considered classics that are remembered. Yeah, I mean, there there are some that, that people like me who have been around for a while, you know, will will pop in i mean hell the original devil man anime premiered in that stretch of time um but to, to your to your the 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 thing that you pointed out uh show and the article does claim this that the quality of the anime that have been, has been coming out recently has dipped um i personally agree with that stance i know i don't okay obviously there are there are anime every single season that are pretty good and then there are anime every season that are pretty bad and then you have that middle ground but i think that there's been uh at least within the last five years or so maybe 10 years of 
with that increasing amount of anime premiering per season, there's been a, a shift in the percentage of anime that's moving down from the, like, okay to just the bad category. Would would you guys agree with that? Most definitely. It also uh, is played on by the fact that there's a lot more anime animators now also, but a lot of them aren't necessarily professional animators and they're just starting out and this is no fault on them necessarily it's just where they are at and uh it's not it doesn't translate into quality because of those reasons and not just animators but also uh producers um authors uh directors there's a lot more but because there's uh most of them are new the quality has suffered at least in my opinion uh show i think that the general average quality of the of current anime is pretty bad because there's a lot of shit (laughs) um and i haven't watched a lot of older anime but i assume that um the animation was a bit more consistent and they put more time into it from what i've seen Whereas there's a lot of shows these days where it looks just like they did the bare minimum to like make it just barely watchable and then <laughs> cash in on it. Um, but at the same time, like the best animated show uh, that's currently in like on air, it, I would say is better than the best animated show in the past. So most definitely has the quality dipped. I know. I think. Like... Well, I think you're talking about like from a technical perspective, and I would definitely agree with you that, like, in terms of like the the technical aspects of creating anime, I think that's definitely gone up tenfold since like the mid 1990s or late 1980s. Um, but and, and all that's well and good. I mean, it's definitely like you look at uh, a, there's a huge difference in the animation quality of the original Legend of Galactic Heroes OVA series uh, compared to the new stuff, the new Legend of the Galactic Heroes anime that came out this year. And there's a huge increase in in the amount of graphic quality and the the sound quality and stuff like that. But does that mean that, does that necessarily mean that the stories being told are necessarily better or at least of the same quality? Oh, the stories themselves? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't even consider that. Well, I guess they're pretty bad, too. I mean, most of them are adaptations, though. I think that's that's something else that a lot of people don't realize, that back in the day, there were a lot of the anime that were coming out, especially on TV, were original anime. Like, there weren't near, near as many adaptations as there are now. I mean, of course, there were adaptations like Dragon Ball, like Fist of the North Star, um, but... It did exist, uh, but there... nowhere near the numbers it does now. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, I was going to go look this up, but I think that the um, the year that the original Dragon Ball anime premiered, and I got to go look this up because I don't exactly remember, but um, I believe that it was one of only two anime that season that it premiered that were um, uh, that were uh, adaptations. All the rest were original. Which, if you think about it, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. I mean, you look at it today, and you're you're lucky to get, like, in the top 20 per season on Mal, you're lucky to get maybe two or three original anime. Yeah. 
So you think that has something to do with it too? That the amount of anime being made has gone up because there are more people or more, um, uh, uh, more studios willing to adapt stuff rather than create stuff on, you know, as originals. You think that's easier to adapt it? I think so because you don't actually, you don't have to sit there and create a story. All you have to focus on is the the technical aspects of it. I guess so. Well, do I don't think, think that's Shinoda? a reason. I don't think that's a reason why there's a large uh, number. I think there's other reasons why they make a large number of anime, and because they're making a large number of anime, it's easier to do adaptations than to do originals. But do you think that that has some that that's some I factor? That's Maybe a, not the factor, think, but it is a factor. I think that's it an certainly effect, plays into cause. it. Yeah, I, I think it plays into it. If not like a majority, it definitely has some something to do with it. Um, but and this is something else that the 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 article claims too, and I think this is it's definitely true for me. I'm sure it's true for the both of you as well that consumers ne- necessarily per season can't keep up with all the airing shows. Well, I, I think, can't. Well, I think okay, yeah. So I think that's a stupid point to bring up because it's like. Who cares? Why do you want to keep up with all the airing shows? Get over yourself. <laughs> well, that just goes into the problem of a lot of people's uh, mentality has shifted into the seasonal instead of yeah, uh, watching well, like, whatever uh, whenever. I mean, not that it, there's anything wrong with it, but like that's just how things have changed. It's like for me last season, I you know there were there were a bunch of shows that I picked up last season that I didn't think I was going to, and then about halfway through the season, everyone talks about how good Hina Matsuri is, and it's like I've already got twelve fucking shows I'm watching. That's because you got a weak mind. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares if people? Hey, so many people talk about Attack on Titan. You should go watch Attack on Titan then, if you're so oh, if you God. cave so easily to peer pressure. <laughs> I have watched Attack on Titan. I have no interest in that. And by the way, it's not even the most popular anime airing right now. So fuck you. Um, but I, I think like, and, and then I'm forced like with Hina Matsuri, I'm forced to go watch it after it's finished airing because there were there were, there were good quote, anime unquote, that I was watching last season. Quote unquote forced. I mean, I don't have to. No, I'm not forced to do it, but I I feel as though I'm forced to do it because everyone said it was so good. Like, I want to check it out and see if it, if it lives up to the hype, of course. But I don't know. It just seems like I don't have enough time for all this shit. That's why you, everyone should be a hipster and just fuck off what everyone else tells you to watch and just watch what you want. Who cares about Hinamatsuri? I even know what Hinamatsuri is because I just ignore everyone. Apparently, it's a pretty fucking funny comedy. But, is that the one know. with the robot? No. The Psychic Girls. Robot. Psychic? Yeah. Oh. Elfin lead? No. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, you're a few seasons behind on that one. Oh. I think you mean a year's. Uh, a few. Just a few. Um, I don't know. It's like... I feel like there's there's so much coming out, and then there, of course there there are seasons that you know that are kind of shot. I mean, a, a good example of that would be uh, spring season of 2017. The spring season of 2017 was pretty awful because uh, the only two things that anyone talked about from that season and will continue to talk about, I I'm pretty sure, is that um, uh, MHA season two premiered in that season, and so did this second season of Attack on Titan. Name for me anything else that premiered that season. 
okay, that's unfair to ask of me personally, and I feel really <laughs> attacked right now. <laughs> well, you should know, because one of the things that Wait, premiered that Kado. season is something you're still watching, Chinoda. Kado. Kado, that's one. Food Wars. Boruto no, was another one. No. <laughs> oh, that's on Boruto started? Listen, I can't remember yes. yesterday. You can't ask me to name dates see, like that. That's that's kind of that's kind of my point, though. It's like, th- there were two like huge shows that premiered, and no one else remembers most of anything else that came out. Like, Aramanga Sensei also premiered that season. Recreators. <laughs> um, uh, Sukigakirei. Uh, premiered that season. I mean, there was there was some other good shows that premiered that season that no one talks about anymore. So you're saying if there was less shows, people would remember them more. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if there were less shows, that people would watch more of them, and they'd be more inclined to give other stuff a try. But there's but there's just the problem of um, those shows in particular are what what would be equal to triple a uh video games like well, i'm not sure what i think if you're talking a... about like things like mha and attack on titan right yes like uh yeah they're, they're the top brass meanwhile everything else not yeah, necessarily it's, it's so stuff, it's it's the stuff that gets the most amount of, yeah. of talk and the most amount of press for sure the advertisements the uh push from uh all the other t- forms of media like they get talked oh, yeah, about for sure but what about the other stuff they don't get the recognition and because of that, yeah. like, and let's be real, most of the community is affected by uh, these sort of things, and that's what sticks around, just because of the sheer amount of talk that is around uh, these products. Yeah, and it also, it's, it's worth pointing out that, well, with the exception of, like, the two big ones from summer 2017, which was Attack on Titan and MHA, and of course, Boruto, which is kind of an on, uh, continuously running show. Like it's it's new episodes every week with almost no breaks in between them. Um, all these shows, with the exception of maybe one or two that were two season long shows, they were all seasonal shows. They were all uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 episode shows. And I think that had, probably has more to do with all of it than anything else is this push towards an enormous amount of seasonal anime coming out for a season, which are like 10 to 13 episode shows over much longer running shows which are 25 plus episodes and there is something to be said about that because uh shows that are typically 24 25 episode shows do tend to leave you more satisfied than with the more uh fleshed out story and everything meanwhile these the one season animes it's just it's not as satisfying like you want more almost all the time but you're almost guaranteed to never see it, at least for a decade, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and some some of these some of these adaptations are kind of deserving of just a seasonal anime. Like a, a good example from last year would be like Aho Girl. I don't really see that being a long running show. I don't see most comedies, as a matter of fact, being incredibly long running shows. But I mean, you see something like uh, like why isn't as popular as it is? Why isn't MHA a continually running show? Probably catch up to the manga too fast. Well, Naruto's never had to worry about that, and it's been incredibly popular ever since it premiered. Yeah, but wasn't was it quality though? <laughs> I mean, it was part of what's known colloquially now as the big three, so I'd say yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the big three refers to popularity, not quality. Yeah, I mean, no, it yeah, does. Yeah, it does. Certainly, it certainly, it certainly does, but I would argue that, that Naruto at, at times was very high quality. Of course, there oh, were yeah, times most definitely. That, and you're gonna you're gonna get that with anything that that is a continually running show that airs new episodes every single week. There's gonna be stretches of it that aren't as good as others, but as a whole, yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd say Naruto as a whole is much higher quality than any shonen that's currently airing now. You just pointed out the problem with doing a show continually running is that you're forced to like fill it in with not the best like not the most quality of oh, yeah. parts. Whereas if you do it like one chunk at a time, you can concentrate all your effort into each like episode. Yeah. I'm and I will there say there's pitfalls with it. I will say this uh for MHA, that is what they do. It is a somewhat long running uh series, but they do take breaks in between and because of that they they're actually uh pretty successful I would say in keeping up in the quality regard. Yeah, there. Well, I mean, there's definitely there's been what a roughly a year um, space in between each of the seasons that have come out so far. Roughly a I, year. I think a little bit less than a year between seasons, but, yeah, but I mean, but, you, but it's I mean, a good span a of time. Certainly, certainly a lot less time between the first season of MHA and the second season of MHA than there was between the first season of Attack on Titan and the second season of Attack on Titan. Yeah, but Attack on Titan is like an exceptional case. <laughs> I mean, they oh, screwed no. the pooch that... on that because uh, well, they didn't strike the market while it was still hot. But we're uh, not going to get that, into that. You say that show. You say that it's an exceptional case, but I don't think, it, it, and, it, and it may very well have, have been an exceptional case, if not for the fact that there's a lot of other anime doing that same thing now. I mean, look at um, Code Geass coming back after 10 years. You have... But no uh, one demanded that. No one Of course, that. I'm not saying that no one asked for it, but it, it is nonetheless happening. You have... Uh, 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 certain magical indexes coming back after a few years away. You have, uh, for fuck's sake, there's going to be a new Spice and Wolf anime next year. So not only have um, studios strayed away from originals into adaptations, but now they're just going further. Into, they're just adapting further adaptations that they already adapted. <laughs> I think some, some of that has to do with there is there is a legit industry for nostalgia now. I mean... You look at you look at even Hollywood. There's definitely a nostalgia industry in the entertainment industry on in both the East and the West. To take it away from anime for just a second, there is a lot of talk in uh, a lot of the millennial uh, generation uh, about the fact that we're getting sold on our nostalgia, and like there uh, a lot of the industries are making profits over just that alone. I think there's definitely a case that you could make for that because, it, it, I mean, you look at, at Hollywood today and there's no question that they're trying to sell nostalgia for a lot of their, their products that they're coming out with. And I think you're starting to see that in the anime industry, especially now that the anime industry has sort of embraced the fact that they have an enormously and still growing Western audience that these people kind of got into anime in the mid 1990s and early two thousands. And they thought it was pretty good back then. Why don't we give it to them again and see if they still think it's pretty good. And hell, uh, we see them doing it in different ways as well as in, uh, making different animes, uh, AKA let's say darling in the Franks 
in comparison to Ava, and it it'll and it did sell. It sold very well. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think of the quality of Darling the Franks, you can't deny that there are certain uh, similarities that you can draw between it and Eva. And Eva was incredibly popular in the mid-90s and early 2000s. And, I mean, that's even further emphasized by the fact that they have the Eva rebuild movies that are enormously popular and successful as well. They're some of the most talked about and uh, most profitable uh, pieces of merchandise in the entire industry, and that's saying something. Yeah. So that, again, that kind of ties into the amount of anime being made. I mean, people want to get in on the ground floor of this new nostalgia industry, and it it pays. It's shown that it's paid dividends. I mean, hell, look at the... um, I forgot where I was going with this... Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, I mean, look at the whole index thing. I mean, like the, the rail decks uh, franchise is huge in Japan, and I think when it when it when the new season of Index airs in the fall, you're gonna see it be probably one of the most watched things that season, both in the East and the West. Yeah, like, it, but well, for for certain. I, but back to what we were actually talking about. Um, I definitely think that with especially with the the. Um, the amount of seasonal shows coming out, it, it, that definitely has way more to do, I think, with the amount of anime being produced per season. Also, if you if you think about it, there's a lot less financial risk for a studio to do a seasonal show as a as opposed to a long running show, because because you can put out a studio can put out two or three seasonal episodes or seasonal shows for the same price that they could do maybe one show that lasts all year long. And then there's so much less risk because if only one of those fails, like let's say you put out four, let's say a studio like let's, uh, I'm trying to think of a generic anime studio. Like let's say for fuck's sake, let's say Studio Wit. Let's say they got tired of making Attack on Titan, and one season they came out with four shows. Let's say three of those are relatively, let's say two of those are relatively successful. One is enormously successful. One's a failure. Okay, so you have. You did seventy five percent of the shows that you made that season, or yeah, that season were pretty good and got you a significant amount of money. And then one was kind of a throwaway, but you still made you still made a profit on everything that you made, regardless of your one failure. Now let's say they did an entire year of Attack on Titan, and let's say that let's just say let's just say that it, it was very poorly received by everyone. Okay, so now they're out all the money that they they spent on making that one. 52 week season of attack on titan that's a huge financial risk yeah it's definitely smarter to do it seasonally i mean mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even blame them I, I think it's a pretty good way to do it honestly yeah it's certainly it's certainly a way for new studios to get established i think I think you're also kind of seeing that with some of these smaller newer studios because they're starting to market their shows to a niche audience and niche fan bases. I mean, one of the things that the the article uh, points out is uh, Uma Musume from last season. I mean, that's an incredibly, incredibly niche audience that it kind of, I, I, I hate using this term, but because it's got such a negative connotation, but panders to. I mean, you can't imagine a show like this getting made in like the mid 90s. A show about lesbian horse girls. Who are also idols that run. I mean, 
Like there's that's such a niche. That's so such specific a niche audience. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's such a niche audience. Like you saw I me, mean, a studio like Studio Wit couldn't get away with that because people look at them and say, "What the fuck are you doing?" I mean, you say it's niche, but doesn't like it fit into the broad like cute girls moe genre. I mean, yeah, you can say that it definitely has a moe aesthetic to it, but who can you think of a single person that asked very specifically for a show about horse girls who are racehorses who are also idols and it has a tinge of lesbianism to it? I don't think Otaku are that picky with their wifes. <laughs> no, they aren't. They those they certainly aren't. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I think you, you kind of get what I'm saying though that the there, there, there are there are shows that that kind of pander to the niche audience. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad because like there's literally an anime for everyone out there. There's an anime for every taste out there these days, and I think that's kind of a good thing. It certainly it certainly helps in getting people into anime. I think. Does it? I think so because if you have someone who is is never never seen anime in their life and like they have really weird interest i mean there's probably an anime out there by now that has explored that interest i mean there's fucking anime about sumo wrestling about badminton there's anime about motorsports there's anime about school life and uh just it's just like every topic you can almost think of anymore there's an anime because there's been so many seasonal anime that have explored those topics I guess so. I feel like I most that's... people get into anime because of the big broad shows though, rather than the niche ones. Maybe. Maybe. And actually we're planning on exploring that in a couple weeks. But I, I think it plays some part in it. I think it makes I think it gives anime a charm. It's like a quirky charm. It's like, oh, this is so like niche and weird. Oh my god. But <laughs> I don't know if it actually like attracts people. It's like, no, mom, it's just a cartoon. Uh, I don't know. I I think I think there's a case to be made that it, you can actually use some of those niche things to get people into anime. Certain people, maybe not everybody, but certain people. Um, is that a do? Do you actually see that as a problem though? Studios catering to niche fan bases. Also, like, <sighs> is it really that it's? a niche fan base or is it just that like it's a cultural divide whereas like the japanese interests are different than the western interests because i don't think it's question. very niche for them like stuff that would be niche for us is pretty popular in japan hmm. so is yeah, that's, really a, that's, a, that's a really good point um i don't know there's actually there might be a uh it might be a, a a good thing to look at in the cultural question. I, I don't know. I'm not Japanese. I have never even been to Japan. I'd love to go, but I can't I can't speak on behalf of someone who is Japanese and has experienced the culture. Um, but it could be a cultural divide, and that that could explain a lot. Actually, I mean, we look at it and say, "Wow, this show about horse girl sure is weird." But they look at it and like, "Ooh, Moe," and exactly. Moe is a very very large thing to pander to oh yeah i mean fucking half of the anime that come out these days have like girls with really rounded puffy cheeks and big eyes and the moe aesthetics antenna hair my god the the fucking uh kyoani antenna hair thank god bless kyoani for giving us the antenna hair but 
I don't know. It's it seems it seems to me that there are way more studios, especially startup studios, that 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 will do that. They'll they'll do these seasonal anime that kind of pander to these niche aesthetics or these niche fan bases just to get their name out there. I, I'm not saying that it's not necessarily a legitimate way to you know start up an anime studio. I think it's actually a good thing for them, but I guess time will tell on that one. See, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't really think of like a decently successful quote unquote niche anime. Like most of them appeal to broad demographics, honestly, even if they're weird. It's like you can fit them into a broad demographic. It's like most of the most of the things that when you say like new studios appeal to a niche demographic, I'm thinking like they make some harem slutty show to like sell quickly and then they move on to like other shows like that's but that's pretty broad. I wouldn't really call that niche. Well, I, one of the, the, the studios that kind of comes to mind when I say that is Studio Feel. I mean, Studio Feel used to be known for making like this really, really trashy fucking shows, um, and to some extent they still do. Uh, but then, I mean, because they got kind of started making Kiss X Sis and Yasuko no Sora, and it's like those okay. type of shows. Like, and, yeah, like shows that are based around like harems and incest. Exactly, exactly what I'm saying. It's like the slutty, etchy, which yeah. I, don't, I mean. You would like, I would understand why you would call it niche because, like, you would never see that in, like, in a Western media or, like, you really rarely see it, but, like, it's everywhere in Japan. So, I I think that's a pretty, like, stable market. Like, the etchy market is pretty stable in Japan. Maybe. I will, I will say this, though, and this actually kind of plays into something else is that there's a lot more avenues for getting your anime seen these days than there used to be. Like, it used to be, if you wanted to show, uh, like, an episodic anime series, you had to do it on television. You don't have to do that anymore. Like, you have, uh, there's a whole bunch of, like, streaming services. you got, like, in the West, you got Crunchyroll and, and Funimation and High Dive and Amazon. I mean, and now you have a huge player like Netflix coming into it. And I think that also has played somewhat of a role in the increase of anime being made per season? Mm, I I don't think it's been integrated yet properly. Yet, I think but it's do, do you beginning it? the process of it because uh, they do have the cash and they have yeah. shown repeatedly that they are willing to spend it too. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, but you may not see it now, but do you see it necessarily in the future being so? I think the only big hit that I can think of that was released online would be Devilman Crybaby. Um. Uh, what that, about Violet Evergarden? I, I, I don't know. Was that released online? Yeah. It was a Netflix exclusive, and it was incredibly popular. Okay, I didn't know that. Both in so the East too. and the West. So, okay, well, that's like two shows. I think it's yeah. it's occurring slowly. It's just starting. Yeah, but, you, but do you see it in the future as becoming like a legitimate thing? Like, I don't this know. Japan, could... Japan is slow to adapt. They are, but uh, when there's money involved, I think uh, the process gets kicked up a bit. And Netflix has straight up come out and said, and they've uh, done this multiple times over the last couple of years, about the fact that they've invented, uh, they're starting to invest uh, 
how much money into new anime? A ton. Yeah, like, if not in the millions, more. Well, I don't. I don't think they're uh, definitely millions for sure. Yeah. Um, it costs a lot to make an anime, it, folks. <laughs> that's it. Uh, it does, especially a quality anime. Um, and it's not. It's worth mentioning that Netflix has said that they're not just spending this money on licensing stuff from other studios. They're directly funding studios to make this stuff that they're going to show. So. I mean, it's it's a new it's a new avenue. I I can see it as definitely uh, since it is a brand new avenue that has so few restrictions on things like how long uh, an episode of an anime has to be, uh, the content. I mean, there's really no uh, restrictions on YouTube or YouTube on uh, Netflix defining like what kind of content can and cannot. And thank God be for that. Anime, the creative so uh, content uh, freedom. Is amazing, yeah, I know. and it directly impacts so, uh, what they can, what the creators can put out, and that makes works so much more compelling. And if you think about it, there really are no seasons on Netflix. You can literally release anything of any length at any time. Sure. And Netflix has certainly kind of embraced that because, I mean, regardless of what you think about their model of releasing everything at the end of a season, and. I think they have said that they are going to start experimenting outside of Japan of releasing anime week to week. Um, but regardless of what you think about that, it's like Violet Evergarden released in like the middle of the, um, of the spring season. Devilman Crybaby was like four weeks into the winter season. You had Castlevania, which was, I don't even remember when that was. It certainly wasn't the beginning of the season. That was also a good anime that was on Netflix. Um, was that an anime? Yes, For it was. questions that we have to ask. Yes, it was. It was an anime. Fuck you. <laughs> it was an anime. Not having this argument. Um, Like, the problem with Netflix isn't, like, when they release it. It's, like, if they're... If when they hold back releasing it, when the show is available on other, like, mediums. Like, that's mm-hmm. the issue. Like, Devil Man wasn't available until they released it. That's fine. You can release it whenever you want. <laughs> But, like, Little Witch Academia was available before they released it, so that was just stupid. Yeah. I mean, it's worth pointing out that that I don't think that Devilman Crybaby actually aired anywhere else besides Netflix. So, I mean, you were literally waiting on Netflix. Yep. Um, I mean, some of those other, some of the other stuff that has aired also on Netflix uh, was was premiering elsewhere, like on terrestrial television in Japan as well, I think. I want to say that uh, one of the ones that came out in winter 2018 was like that. Was it Sword Guy? I don't remember. It was one of those. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely see it potentially uh, leading to that, that factor in general leading to a potential increase in the amount of anime being made per season. I mean, I'm hesitant because the streaming boom was like a bajillion years ago and Japan is like so slow to get on it. Um, yeah. So I'm hesitant whether they're actually gonna like transfer. I would love for them to fully embrace streaming. You know, it would definitely like increase exposure, and I would assume oh, it's ex- certainly international exposure. I would assume in- increase profits because exposure is is in relation to profits. Um, yeah. But like, they're so traditional. Yeah. Well, so all of this com- kind of comes back to a question that I think we'll we'll use to kind of end this discussion. 
Has the supply of new anime grown proportionally with the demand? I would say that is the biggest factor to why the number of shows has increased over time because the fan base has increased over time as well. I know the article is like, the supply is so much higher than the demand, but I'm like, is it though? I feel like it's pretty proportional. <laughs> I would honestly agree, especially with the fact that popular- popularization of anime uh, coming into all the different areas of the world. The whole world, in fact, is just getting into anime. They're, they're finally catching up to the rest of us, realizing what kind of uh, medium this is and the amazing parts of it. And I think because of that, if anything, the demand for it will only increase ever yeah, so expansionally as well. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I can oh, I can kind of get on board with that. I think that I think that the the supply has has definitely grown proportionally with demand to a point. I think we're kind of getting to that point where those lines are starting to diverge a little bit, where there's a little bit more supply than there is demand. Um, I think overall, the percentage each season of good anime to bad anime is roughly the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. Um, the only difference is the amount of, of anime being made. That's that's my take on it, really. I okay. think it, it does have to do with the fact that uh, once a lot of these uh, newer studios and newer people have more practice in the quality of everything will expand as well. It still won't solve the problem of there being just too much anime, I think that's just going to be a problem that we're going to have to deal with uh, from now on, ever onwards. But yeah, I like it'll have I to. I like f- how the art. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The article. The article was like, oh, no one ever complains about not being able to watch every live action movie that was ever released or every live action TV series that's ever released. The fuck? There are plenty of people who do that. <laughs> what do yeah. you mean? People expect to watch every episode of every live action TV series ever released. That some people are what you call completionists. That makes okay. I don't believe that. Like that's just, it makes no sense. It doesn't even necessarily have to be like every single show, but a majority of shows, a majority of stuff. Uh, our friends watch, our families watch. We want to watch also, just so we can uh, keep in the loop, uh, keep in discussions, just so we can relate to other people uh, more. Just be, uh, And because of how many there is, how much uh, entertainment we have to consume, there does uh, come a problem of just it all being overbearing. And I there guess, are people who complain about it. And honestly, it's completely valid. I don't think it's valid. I, I think it is. <laughs> Why are you complaining about about more things? You're getting more things and you're complaining. It's like, oh, I wish I had less things. Oh, my God. I, Stop being I, I mean, entitled. I personally, <laughs> I personally find a reason to complain because I've seen what happens when there's a bubble economy. So, And it never ends well. It always bursts. This is what's always it, been the done. bubble always bursts, and that, I don't want I don't want the anime industry to think that there is an unlimited demand out there because there's not. There is a tipping point as to where it becomes unprofitable. I do wonder though. Once it bursts, it, of course it'll begin again. Like uh, there's too much money invested in it at this point for it not to. But I wonder if it does. Will we have a second renaissance? 
of uh, anime, it would be pretty interesting to see. That's that's a really good question. I think that's a really good question to end this with. <laughs> what do you think out there, everybody? Do you think there's too much anime being made, and will there be a new renaissance if there uh, if the bubble actually does burst? I uh, just it. wanted to add one more thing. I think that the like I said, the supply is representative of the demand and the major issue is that there aren't enough skilled animators to fill the supply mm. um if there was then i feel like there would the studios would be like able to stay afloat by producing anime at the rate that it's being consumed good anime at the rate it's being consumed what do you mean I think I think that's a distinction. I mean, between making good and bad anime, I think it's an important distinction to make because I think anyone can make a bad anime. Well, like I'm implying that if you had more skilled animators and skilled scriptwriters, then that naturally you would make better anime. Oh yeah, the, the yeah the gap would close. Yeah, yeah, man, de- de- definitely. I would definitely agree with that. All right, well. Anyway, thank you all out there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this to you. And definitely let us know what you think about this topic. Is there Actually, is there too much anime being made? And do you think that if the bubble does burst, there will actually be a second anime renaissance? But as always, if you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Discord server, become a member of our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website. As always, if you have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns on this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email. Links to all these things will be down below in the description, along with a link to the article we used to base this episode on. Um, As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. The number of anime being made is too (laughs) damn high. Damn high. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a dead meme. It is, but it's relevant, so it's okay. It's uh, I'm not using that for the thumbnail. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Do it. <laughs> Come on.